And now, the BC Food and Wine Radio Network presents Anthony Gizmondi and BC Food and Wine Radio. Now, here's Anthony Gizmondi. Hello, British Columbia. I'm Anthony Gizmondi, and welcome to today's show. Hey, we're excited about more restrictions coming off this week, which will certainly be welcomed by the hospitality industry across our province. Our Gizmondi Online newsletter is live Thursday and includes a video of one of our guests today, so check that out uh, later this weekend. And on the show today, Lori Strandlin, co-owner of the Moonwater Lodge, joins us to talk about the many things to do beyond visiting Cowichan Valley wineries. Also joining us, world-renowned winery owner Miguel Torres, head of the Familia Torres Wine Empire in Spain. But up next, Warren Porter, president and CEO of Iron Gate Auctions, returns to talk about his latest upcoming online wine auction. This is BC Food and Wine Radio. I'm Anthony Gizmondi. There's lots more still ahead. This is the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. Sun, water, soil. Organically farmed and made in collaboration with Mother Nature. Liber Farms terroir-focused small lot wines capture the essence of the Okanagan and Similkameen Valleys. Join the wine club and receive delivery of award-winning wines and new releases in spring and fall, plus early access to library wines, complimentary tastings, and more. Visit them this spring to taste in their spacious covered wine garden in Asuyas. Discover more at liberfarm.com. Simply great wines. Claude de Soleil Winery knows that the best wines keep it simple. It's all about the grapes and the place where they are grown. Minimal handling, minimal intervention, maximum beauty in the bottle. Nestled in a sunny, stony corner of BC's Similkameen Valley, Claude de Soleil produces wines that blend the best of Bordeaux varieties with their unique terroir. The result? Wines that are elegant and effortlessly special. Tastings by appointment or buy online at clodesoleil.ca. Free shipping to BC and Alberta on orders of six or more bottles. Penticton, the hub of the South Okanagan, a place where you'll learn to fall in love with winter all over again. Enjoy mountain adventures. Visit almost 100 wineries, craft breweries, cideries, and distilleries, and experience world-class locally sourced restaurants. It's the perfect destination for a relaxing winter getaway. But before you go, make sure to check the website for updates on weather, highways, health advisories, or for more trip inspiration. Go to visitpenticton.com. Taste the flavors of the season at Summerhill Pyramid Bistro and Wine Shop. Their heated patio is open with more space for you to dine safely. So come enjoy a menu showcasing ingredients from their on-site culinary garden. Pair your meal with a new release Summerhill wine for an extraordinary organic experience. The flavors of the season are in abundance at Summerhill Pyramid Bistro and Wine Shop. Online, summerhill.bc.ca. Smoking Loon believes that good wine doesn't need to take itself so seriously. This simple premise has guided them for over two decades to produce wines crafted for those with an appetite for adventure, like their Smoking Loon Syrah. So whether you're relaxing dockside or simply enjoying a well-deserved evening at home, bring along a taste of cottage country. Uncork and discover a rare bird at a BC liquor store near you. Or visit SmokingLoon.com. Now, back to BC Food and Wine Radio. Here's Anthony Gizmondi. Hello, British Columbia, from Kitimat to Salmon Arm and all 18 other cities across the province listening to the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. 
Today our guest is Warren Porter, President and CEO of Iron Gate Auctions, uh, quickly becoming the best place to buy and sell aftermarket wine in Canada. Uh, Warren, hello to, to you today. How are you? I'm terrific, Anthony. How are you? Uh, I'm I'm really well. I, I still have to pinch myself when I when I think that I'm talking about wine auctions in Canada. Uh, it's just such a great, uh, it's such a delight for me to see that there's a way to sell and buy wine now in Canada outside of, uh, you know, retail and, and especially in the aftermarket. So, uh, how's it been going? Are you growing your audience? Yeah, it's, you know what, Anthony has grown way beyond our expectations, and it's not just the place for people to buy, but it's also a place for uh, Canadians to sell, right? Because wine yeah. has become, a, for a lot of people, a, a big part of their asset class. So it kind of takes a lot of that out of the gray market, you know, so you're not having to sell it to your friends and, you know, and, and yeah. that kind of thing. So it, it's, but, but from a growth perspective, it's been absolutely tremendous, way more than we have ever anticipated. Well, I want to get to this auction right away, but just before that, because just because you brought it up, what what would what are some of the people that are coming to you? How do wines end up coming at you? Are they from collectors, or or who are they? Are they from divorces? I'm always interested in that. Well, I'll tell you, the I uh, put it on the website. It's it's what I call the four Ds, which is death, divorce, debt, and dry. <laughs> and so the you, they're typically coming to us because there's a catalyst that's happened in their life. More yeah. often than not, it is, I've gotten older, I've, I've got a, way too much wine, I'm going to scale back my drinking, my doctor has told me to, and mm-hmm. so let's just get rid of a, you know, a couple thousand bottles and I'll keep a couple hundred. So yeah. it's that, it's estates, sometimes it's divorce, but not that often, and every so often the debt, uh, or, or just to take some cash off the table, because sure. wine has gone up so much in the last couple of years for investment grade wines. So yeah. it's all of those things, but it's always a catalyst. Well, you're making it easy for people to do that. Uh, our listeners can go to irongateauctions.com and check out all the things that are available to them. But let's talk about this next auction coming up. Uh, it's in preview now. Uh, tell us about this auction. Uh, what, what, what is it all about this time out? Yeah, so this is a 500-lot auction with a mid-range value of about three-quarters of a million dollars. Uh, wow. The vast majority of it comes from a single seller um, that um, that uh, w- was moving. He was moving across the country, and he said, "Look, I've got lots of wine, uh, mm-hmm. and I don't need all you know all of this. So let's get rid of uh, let's get rid of everything that I've got uh, here, and then I'll buy up some new stuff." And it's always been perfectly cared for, and always bought originally from either the agents or from the liquor board or or wherever. So it's the perfect seller for us because it's got a wide ranging uh, uh, a base of Australians and Bordeaux and some really nice Burgundy. It's got just about everything, and the provenance is perfect. Yeah, our guest That's is more important. But, but there's and there's always a smattering of other things. Sorry, of other uh, clients in between as well. But most of this one is from a single. Yeah, no problem. Our guest is Warren Porter. He's the president and CEO of Iron Gate Auctions. You just said a little bit about the gentleman, or I think it was the gentleman who's selling this seller, uh, but you're big on provenance, and, and you're pursuing it in a way perhaps that other famous auction houses haven't done till this point. Can you tell us a little bit about provenance and why it's so important? Well, I, the, the tagline that we have in our retail outlet in New York is provenance is everything, and it really is everything. So how a wine has been kept is more important than its price to me. 
And so when we uh, accept a collection or a few bottles, I need to know where it's come from. The backstory as much as you can give me on it. I want to see if I can't go to the seller personally. I want to see photographs of your cooling system and all that. Then the other thing that we've started to do is we've had the clients write up the backstory of the uh, of how they've collected over the years and we published the photographs of the seller right beside the photographs of the wine so people really understand where they came from i go on to wine auction sites just to learn competitively and you know i see they're selling bottles of wine for thousands of dollars and they tell you nothing about where it came from and Mm -hmm. that i said that's something that we could improve on i want to make (laughs) sure that people know where these come from and so yeah, so it's that that's that's really helped for people to be able to see and learn that I think. Yeah, I think uh well Warren uh, I I could tell you if I was selling some of my wine my first seller I went under the, a house that was above ground and dug underneath the uh the foundation and uh, pushed out the dirt and <laughs> put in about 20 boxes of wine which stayed at a really good temperature that was back in the early 80s I guess late 70s early 80s. Uh, and then those wines, uh, they've, they've had some fights with squirrels and uh, rats and whatever, but uh, many of them survived. Oh, and uh, now, you know, now they're in my cellar, uh, the last few of them with scratched up labels. But they have a lovely history uh, you know, from the start, and I think that's – I like that. I like those kind of stories. Well, you know, the, 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 that's a really good point you mentioned because what you just described is a root seller, okay? So it's a yeah. it's a um, a seller that's not uh, controlled by a uh, a refrigeration system, and so every so often we see root sellers, not so much anymore. But if we take something from a root seller, I disclose it. Yeah. Because I because a lot of people are going to discount that and say, look, there might have been five to ten degrees of temperature fluctuation, so we want to know that. And typically, mm-hmm. those are those might go for a little bit less than a professionally controlled seller. But that's really important to let people know of. Yeah. Well, everybody starts somewhere. <laughs> Thankfully, I have better control now. Uh, okay, I want to talk a little bit about this auction from the standpoint of uh, let's just say that you're a newbie or you're really interested, but you don't really know how these auctions work. And I was looking at some lots and thinking, well, why not look at some of these small lots, some of the most inexpensive small lots, and get your feet wet that way? How how would you uh, you know coach people to to get into this auction? How simple is it, and how how could they start and maybe make some progress well, on their seller? Sure. It- it's really easy. The new software that we've got is making it easier and easier every time. And in fact, this time we even have an Apple and an iOS app that's available right on your phone so you can watch and bid from your phone. So if you're a newbie starting, you you would kind of make a list of some of the wines that you enjoy the most, okay? And then go in and filter down by, let's say it's, uh, I know that I like, I'm new to this, so I like big fruit forward wines. I know I like Australians and I like uh, American wines. So you can go in and filter U.S., and Australia, and then you can do a sort, say, just show me those ones, and then do a sort by price lowest to highest, and just work your way down from there. Then you just press the little star on the lot um, so that it becomes a favorite of yours so that you can watch it, and then put in a couple of bids. But as I always say to people, give yourself a budget, right? Because you can get caught up in this stuff pretty quick. So Um, so that's, that's for a newbie would be the best. Yeah, I'm looking at, for instance, I see a lovely bottle of 1987 uh, Neport Vintage Port, which I would love to have because, one, I could drink it almost right away, 
uh, and two, it's not that expensive. But you listed at uh, you estimate at one fifty to two hundred, and the starting bid is one twenty. So I'm starting out here. Should I really start at one twenty? Can I start at eighty? Should I start at one seventy five? How would you attack a bottle like that? Right. So you've got a starting bid. You can't bid lower than the starting bid, okay? So if you're saying okay. the starting bid on that one is 120, what I would do is say, look, I'm willing, the starting bid's at 120. I'm willing to go as high as 200, as an example. So yep. you would go in and say, you could go in and proxy bid it up to 200. And it's going to show the current bid of 120, which is yours. If somebody comes in and says, I'll go to 130, the, the software is going to say, up, oh, Anthony's got it for 140. And it's, so it's going to do all the bidding for you so you don't oh, have to fantastic. be hanging on your phone all the time. And yeah. then when it hits 200, it's, go, it's going to send you a note going, hey, Anthony, you've been outbid. Do you want to keep going? So <laughs> it, it kind of takes all the work out of it for you. Yeah, can you put yeah. your can you put your uh, your partner's name in there when it goes to the top bid and they get warned as well? Or <laughs> no, that's a, that's an opt out feature. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But you're talking about an '87 port. We've got a 1900 Madeira in there as well, and yeah. those things I really love because you, you like you know you know we open up a port or a Madeira, we know they're going to be great, they're going to be interesting, and that's a lot of fun at a dinner party. And I'll tell you, those things don't go for a, a ridiculous amount of money. No, no, they don't, and and uh, and they're fun to drink. And instead of people, I know people who bought a lot of dessert wine, they still haven't consumed it. So this is a nice way to just buy it when you're ready to drink it and uh, and pick it up. Speaking of that, how does it work? The auction's over. Let's say I bought three or four cases. How do I get those? How does all that work? Yeah, you make arrangements on the invoice. It's going to give you a company that will take care of all the arrangements for you and get it right to your door. Uh, it's very inexpensive. It's like so, you know, twenty dollars a person, and that takes it right to your house. Make sure that it's uh, make sure that it's temperature controlled all the way. So yeah. it's a it's a, a really really simple to do. Uh, we don't ship, but we've made sure that that everybody is uh, taken care of, and and we work with the company to uh, to to make sure that our customers are happy on the end. And I think when we did the first couple of auctions. That's what people were kind of curious about. They dipped their toe in the water a little bit to say, hey, is this going to be a smooth process all the way? And that's why the last few, I think, have really grown because people have seen that it's a very easy uh, process to go through, to purchase, to get it uh, at their door. And, uh, and we've done a lot of work to make sure that that is, that is simple. I take, I take complaints like a bit of a tyrant, so everybody's got to snap into shape the minute I hear something is slightly off. Yeah. Okay, so uh, the site is irongateauctions.com. Uh, this auction is in preview. Tell us exactly when people can bid and for how long until this one is over. Yeah. Yep, so this one's in preview mode. If you go to Iron Gate Auctions now and you go to register, you can register for this one, and registering means that you can put stuff into your watch list. You'll be right. able to begin bidding. Uh, I think it's 9 a.m. Mountain on, uh, on the 22nd, on February 22nd, on Tuesday. Uh, and so you can begin bidding then. You'll be able to bid for seven days, and then the lots will start to close the following Tuesday at, I'm going to say, 6 o'clock Mountain, and then they close a lot about every 15 seconds, and it goes into what's called overtime in the event that somebody tries to snipe you at the last second. That won't happen. <laughs> so if you've got a bid that's outstanding and somebody writes a piece of software that goes, boom, let me grab them with you know about half a second left, It'll say, yeah. I'm going to give it another 10 minutes so that Anthony can respond if he wants to. Right on. So, um, so yeah, so it finishes on that day, and then um, and then uh, then they start to pack stuff up, and, and uh, we get them to you as quick as we can, as safe as we can.
Yeah, and we'll be ready for the next one on April 9th to 26th. So ongoing auctions for people to get in and out and uh, sell their cellar, acquire seller, just have some fun, sit back and uh, watch your wine as as the bidding takes place. Warren, thanks so much for joining us today. I just I just love this whole idea of open uh, legal auctions. It's fantastic. Well, and thanks for your support, Anthony. It means a lot to us, and and, uh, and we appreciate it very much. That was Warren Porter, president, irongateauctions.com. You can check out all the latest on the auctions at that site. Up next, uh, we'll be joined from Spain by Miguel Torres. We're going to do a in-depth look at many of the things that Miguel and his family have done to fight climate change across uh, all of his wineries around the world. This is BC Food & Wine Radio. I'm Anthony Gismondi, and we'll be right back. There's more to come. This is BC Food and Wine Radio with Anthony Gismondi. Bold. Award-winning. Discover gold. It's a season for big, bold red wines at Gold Hill Winery in Oliver. We've built our reputation on age-worthy Bordeaux-style reds. Join our wine club today and receive a $25 gift along with other fantastic benefits. For more information, go to goldhillwinery.com. Discover gold. Gold Hill Winery on the beautiful Golden Mile Bench in Oliver. Online, goldhillwinery.com. Winter blues? Change them to red, white, and more at Mount Boucherie Estate Winery and the Modest Butcher in West Kelowna. Stop in for free tastings in the wine shop. Enjoy happy hour at the Modest Butcher and dig into the new Modest Brunch every Sunday. Plus, watch for the launch of the Modest Tribute Dinner Series, one night to experience delicious flavors from around the world. For more details, visit ModestButcher.com. It doesn't have to be alcohol to be rock and roll. It just has to be naughty. Bring the party with Naughty from Thompson & Scott. Beautifully crafted, organic, vegan, alcohol-free sparkling wines that have taken the drinks industry by storm. Beautiful bubbles. No alcohol, no compromise. So go ahead, get naughty. You've got nothing to lose but your preconceptions of what alcohol-free can be. Visit softcrush.ca for more details. Take a break from the hustle and bustle of the city and relax in the beautiful South Okanagan. Get outside and enjoy fantastic wine and culinary offerings throughout the region. You'll find over 180 of BC's finest wineries. From the Naramata Bench to Summerland's Bottleneck Drive to Oliver Asuyus Wine Country. But before you go, make sure to check the website for updates on weather, highways, health advisories, or for more trip inspiration. Go to visitsouthokanagan.com. Discover the good life right in your own backyard. Destination, the Watermark Beach Resort in beautiful Asuyus. Featuring spectacular views of Asuyus Lake, walking distance to shops, plus dining at the Watermark's very own 15 Park Bistro. And make sure to book your spring and summer travel now to avoid disappointment at the South Okanagan Resort that defines easy living. Visit watermarkbeachresort.com for full details and keep up to date on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. This is the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. Now, here's Anthony Gismondi. Hello, British Columbia. Our next guest takes us to Spain's Penedes region, just north of Barcelona, to speak with none other than Miguel Torres, fifth generation and general manager of Familia Torres. Miguel, welcome to the show. Great to talk to you today. 
Great to be with all of you, Anthony. Great to talk to you. Yeah, so much fun to talk to a foreign winemaker, uh, having been <laughs> locked down for so long on both sides of the uh, of the uh, of the ocean, I guess. But uh, really great to catch up with you. I want to start first of all with uh, Familia Torres has been voted the world's most admired wine brand. Uh, by professionals of the wine sector, uh, uh, it was a special supplement of Drinks International. But your your company uh, has come in first for the fifth time in eleven editions of this prestigious global ranking. Uh, I don't know how you do it, but uh, you are the most admired wine brand in Europe. What what, what is that? Uh, what does it take to to get that uh, so many times? Well. I I I don't really have a, a clear answer to this question. You know, we just we just do uh, what we like. That is to make wine. We are very close to the vineyards here, and we have done this uh, since 1870, since we uh, founded the winery. I'm the fifth generation now, and uh, yeah, and I I'm, I'm happy that we have a, a great team. That I think that they live from the same values that we have now. So we. We always want to bring the best thing from from the land, from the vineyards to to the glasses. Huh? Right. Well, I'm I'm uh, one of the things I love about even talking about brands because sometimes when people think of brands, they think of ordinary wines or low low cost wines. But when we talk about brands like Torres, we talk about great wines uh, in all different price ranges. So that's that's something that consumers can latch on to, and I think. I think what we've noticed during the pandemic was that that some of these brands have really resurfaced because uh, consumers have been staying at home and drinking those wines and enjoying them or maybe perhaps rediscovering them. So that's kind of a nice injection, uh, uh, I I think, for wineries that have been working hard. Yeah, well, you know, I think that here in Spain, um, especially my grandfather was one of the first ones really uh, trying to to make the wines more uh, known around the world, and he uh, he traveled extensively when most of the uh, of the winemakers or the winery owners were staying in the wineries uh, without traveling, and this is what 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 made uh, some of our wines became uh, brands around the world, and you know it's a it's a great thing. We really uh, love these wines, and we really uh, are very proud of them. Yeah. Yeah, you should be. Our guest is Miguel Torres. He's a fifth generation and general manager at Familia Torres in Spain. I want to get to the subject that you're most passionate about and which I, I believe takes most of your time today, and that's climate change. Uh, but I think the reason why I'm, I'm so excited to talk to you is that you don't talk so much about it as you actually do stuff about it. So let's start with Torres and Earth and, and why and how you got uh, involved in climate change. Let's Let's start there and we can move on from that. Uh, what what yeah. why are you doing it now why why is it so important now well you know um honestly the the fact that that we are family and we have been making wine for such a long time i really think that gave us perspective uh already on 2008 to understand what was going on no because we we look at the harvest and 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 uh and the grapes were getting riper uh but uh, earlier than uh, the previous years no and we would see all these climatic events, like like uh, big, uh, you know, like large rains, or then it was very dry for many many months. So there was yep. there was something strange that maybe for the for me or my sisters we we could not see so easily because we are younger. But for uh, my father, you know, he had this perspective of of so many years, 
And then we realized that the climate was changing. And this, of course, affects to the vineyards because uh, vines, uh, the, the, the vines are very sensitive to changes in temperature. And um, as, as we want that uh, the next generations in our family can continue making wine, we decided that that we had to do something, at least on, how, on ourselves, to start changing things. Right. Mm-hmm. So uh, you zeroed in. I know that you, you, you did a lot of experimentation. In fact, I was there uh, when you were sort of at the end of the experimentation and, and saying, okay, well, we've tried all these things. Now we have to get going and actually implement them. But let's maybe start with CO2 emissions and what, what your targets are and how reachable they are and, and, and how sensible is it to, to even focus on uh, CO2 emissions. Some people you know, don't accept that. But what, what, what's your plan at Torres? Hmm. Well, you know, the, the first thing was that, of course, you know, to fight against climate change, we had to fight against the carbon emissions, no? So we started a, a big program that we call it uh, Torres and Earth, where we uh, compromise ourselves to reduce our carbon emissions, uh, starting from 2008 uh, to become, uh, to have carbon neutrality on 2040, no? Um, yep. uh, on 2020, we already had an intermediate goal that was to reach uh, 30% carbon reduction in all our process of, of uh, winemaking on, in all the company. And uh, we actually uh, achieved that goal. We actually reduced more than a 30%. And now we are aiming for the next uh, years to, to reach this uh, close to 60 or 70% and then get the carbon neutrality um, already before the uh, targets of the, of uh, of Paris. Yeah. Uh, how hard has it been? What what can you tell us? Maybe just some of the practical things that you've done to reduce your emissions that uh, other wineries could pursue or should think about. Yeah, sure. Look, um, one one of the key things, of course, is to try to work as much as you can with your own energy, right? So there are different sources of natural energy that you can use. I would recommend to all the wineries to start with uh, biomass boilers. Uh, this is uh, this is important because you you know that in a winery you really need to heat a lot of water to clean uh, from oak barrels to stainless steel tanks. Okay, so yep. if you can use a, a, um, a, a kind of a foil that is not a fossil foil. But it's uh, you know wood that you can actually take after the pruning from the vineyards or from forests near nearby. Your carbon emissions really go very very down, and it's very efficient. No, but yeah. aside of that, of course, you know we have uh, heavily invested in uh, photovoltaic panels, in solar panels, uh, in geothermal energy, um, and also this this year we are we're very happy because. We achieved to have success in, in, a, in, a, in a, an experiment that we're looking for a long time, and this is to capture the carbon that is released during the fermentation of wines. No, when you see that the grape juice is fermenting, all these bubbles that come out, of course, the, these are CO2. So sure. we are capturing that CO2, and we are using for other purposes in the winery. So this is also very good. This, this, I would say, that would be uh, some of the things. Of course, you can also reduce the weight of the package. There's no sense to today to bottle the wines with such a heavy glasses that we all used to use uh, 10 or uh, 20 years ago, right? Yeah, sure. there are many things. Uh, also, you can I- isolate better the tanks to be more efficient in terms of temperature, uh, changing cars from uh, 
uh, regular engines to electric cars as, as uh, we are uh, doing. Uh, and these would be mainly the things that we can do uh, in the area of the winery. You know? But we yeah. are, what we are working now, uh, and it's a project I, I love very much, is on what can we do in the vineyard. No? And, and here, uh, well, this is something that is starting also here in Spain called regenerative viticulture. Right? It's another way to understand the vineyards. Yeah. Well, we hear a lot about regenerative <clears throat> viticulture. What, wh- why would you pursue that now, and how will that help you achieve your goals? Well, you know, the, the, uh, the main reason why we arrived to this point is that there was a certain point where, where we were planting a lot of trees also uh, in order to, to uh, compensate uh, part of our emissions. But then we, we really gave a, a, big, uh, a big thought about why a vineyard cannot actually work as a forest, no? A forest mm-hmm. can actually capture the carbon in the, in the, in the trees, in the soil, but the vineyard, actually a conventional vineyard, it releases carbon to the atmosphere, uh, even if it's many times in organic viticulture. No? So the, the main reason is uh, are the practices that we have been doing for many, many years. For example, the use of tractors. No? When we plow the soil, what we are doing is opening the soil, and then all the organic matter oxidizes, and this is carbon that is released into the atmosphere. No? Uh, so one of the key things on regenerative agriculture is uh, not to plow the soils, okay? Uh, stop uh, moving the soil on the top. So we are imitating nature a lot on that, that sense, no? And we always want to have a cover uh, crop. So that means we want grass uh, on the, uh, always uh, during the whole year in the soil of the vineyards, no? This grass yeah. helps us to capture the carbon from the atmosphere and to store it in the soil, no? So on a, on, on a certain way, uh, we are doing that, uh, that a vineyard can, can imitate a forest, right, and can capture the carbon into the soil too. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, it's fascinating stuff, Miguel, and I know, that, uh, I know that you've piqued the interest of other people around the world too. Uh, so I wanted to maybe talk a little bit about the IWCA or the International Wineries for Climate Action uh, so let's start with this organization. Is this to share this information, or how, how has it come about? And, and, and I know you started it with the Jackson Family Winery in California. Tell us a little bit about it. Exactly, exactly. We started with the Jackson Family. And, you know, as, as we, we were two families, we, we, we both uh, share these uh, worries, you know, about what was going to happen with the vineyards, the influence of the climate. So we uh, we met together and we decided to start this association. Uh, now we have uh, more than 27 wineries that have uh, joined all around the world. And, uh, and the purpose of this association is to really uh, uh, decarbonize the wine industry. Okay, So yeah. to join this association, it is, it is not easy because it is, uh, you really have already to to have achieved at least a 20% reduction on your carbon footprint, okay? And then you have to reach intermediate goals during the next uh, years until you become, uh, you have carbon neutrality. And this, of course, uh, this this, this means investing. Uh, This means uh, changing the way that, uh, that you are working in the winery, in the vineyards. Uh, so it's it's challenging, but to us is is today the the best platform, the best uh, certification that one can have 
to make sure that the wine that they are drinking are actually doing something no, to, to mm-hmm. fight against the climate change. 27 uh, wineries. We, it would be nice to have 27,000 wineries on the list. I, I, I hope that we can get that way. Uh, I did want to ask one question because I didn't see any Canadians on there, so I know that, there, that it's hard to achieve these things, but have you had any interest from any Canadian wineries yet? Well, you know, I, I uh, actually want to take advantage uh, from uh, from this program to really, you know, uh, invite, you know, uh, all the Canadian wineries that would like to join because, uh, you know, it's it's uh, it's it's uh, we we have a great common goal, but also there's a great friendship between the wineries. We we help one each other uh, with the practices that we are doing, and, and we would love to have uh, more Canadian wineries. Absolutely. Wow. Our guest is uh, Miguel Torres. We're going to take a quick break, but he's going to stick around. And when he comes back, we're going to talk about some ancient grape varieties and uh, how he's blending uh, the wines that his uh, forefathers made with the future of the wines that they're making at Torres. All that and more coming up on the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. I'm Anthony Gismondi, and we'll be right back. There's lots more still ahead. This is the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. Penticton, the hub of the South Okanagan, a place where you'll learn to fall in love with winter all over again. Enjoy mountain adventures. Visit almost 100 wineries, craft breweries, cideries, and distilleries, and experience world-class, locally sourced restaurants. It's the perfect destination for a relaxing winter getaway. But before you go, make sure to check the website for updates on weather, highways, health advisories, or for more trip inspiration. Go to visitpenticton.com. Your wine collection is your pride and joy. Years of searching and selecting has merited you an enviable list, but it's time to find a new home for some or all of your wine. As the only auction in Canada dedicated to fine wines and spirits, Iron Gate Auctions offers collectors a safe, inexpensive way to liquidate their collections online. They are experts in the field with the knowledge and acumen to maximize the return on your assets. To find out more, visit irongateauctions.com. Sell smart, buy with confidence. Whatever your unique real estate situation is, Ryan Duffy is the expert you can count on to make a decision you won't regret. From Kelowna to Assis, Ryan will ensure you have all the information to find a home that fits your budget, family, and lifestyle. With 18 years of experience as a managing broker, brokerage executive, and a multi-year award-winning realtor, you can count on Ryan. It's your choice. Choose wisely. Choose Ryan Duffy for all your Okanagan-based real estate needs. To connect with Ryan, visit southokanaganhomes.ca. Smoking Loon believes that good wine doesn't need to take itself so seriously. This simple premise has guided them for over two decades to produce wines crafted for those with an appetite for adventure, like their Smoking Loon Syrah. So whether you're relaxing dockside or simply enjoying a well-deserved evening at home, bring along a taste of cottage country. Uncork and discover a rare bird at a BC liquor store near you. Or visit SmokingLoon.com. Committed to handcrafting wines of distinction in Cowichan Valley, Unsworth Vineyards and Restaurant is a celebration of all things Vancouver Island. From a seasonally inspired menu showcasing fresh, local, sustainable ingredients to exceptional service and award-winning wines, Unsworth Vineyards gives bold new meaning to -to farm-to-table cuisine. Enjoy a delectable menu in a gorgeous restaurant where casual meets elegant. Sip and savor refreshingly delicious wines overlooking panoramic vineyard views. Reserve today at unsworthvineyards.com. This is the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. Now, here's Anthony. You know I love you 
Hello, everyone, and welcome uh, back to the show across the province of uh, British Columbia. Our guest is uh, Miguel Torres. Uh, of course, Miguel comes from uh, a very famous wine family, uh, Familia Torres, who've been in business uh, for many uh, generations, five in total. And I thought it would be kind of interesting to talk about, uh, to start uh, at least this part of the conversation, talking about a wine called Sangre de Toro, which now has original written on the label, uh, and I, I believe, Miguel, is it your grandfather that started this uh, label? Yeah, yeah. My, my grandfather was a cre- creator of this wine. Uh, Sangre Toro means, uh, means the blood of the bull, no? And, and that means, like, like in Spain, this is the passion and that's the energy that, that, that is part of the Spanish spirit, no? Yeah. And, uh, and he made this, this wine uh, you know, at the beginning with uh, Garnacha and Cariñena. Uh, you know, these are very two uh, famous varieties here in Catalonia. Uh, Garnacha always brings you this uh, this great fruit and this open nose, and Cariñena is always the backbone. No, it always gives you a great structure to to the wine. And actually, you know, the the history of this wine is quite uh, interesting because you know that our our winery it was bombed during the Spanish Civil War. Right. Uh, some some of the bombs that had to go co- close to the train station end up in our winery. So <laughs> yeah, everything was destroyed. And my and my grandfather struggled for the next years really to to find a way that the business will continue. No, and then he uh, invented the Sangre Toro wine. You know, uh, people love it. And uh, and some of the first markets that he went to, uh, one of them was. Canada, and I still have beautiful pictures, all very old pictures of, of him going around Canada, around the cities, and showing the Sangre Toro as a, as a most authentic wine from Spain. No, and uh, people like it a lot. And I have to say that Canada helped us to 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 come back and to keep making wine on those times. Absolutely, and still wow. today. <laughs> Do you think your grandfather would recognize this wine today as the wine that uh, he made? Uh, I think the first one was out in '53. I think the the first vintage or the. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that he was recognized because the uh, varieties, the main varieties, are still still there. Yeah. I have to say that that probably to today because you know there's there's more. Uh, we we know you know we have maybe more finesse because we have more experience on making wine. Maybe sure. the wine is uh, probably even better than on those times, no. Yeah. Uh, but but still, the uh, soul of this wine is is pretty much the same, and we work with families that are vine, vine growers, and uh, these families were on those times with the same beers, and now we buy wow. grapes uh, to the sons. So it's, it's really like a, uh, well, a, a great work together. Huh? Yeah. Uh, Miguel, we've been talking about climate change uh, in the first segment. Uh, I want to talk about varieties now, because I think uh, you also thought that you maybe had to go higher, get cooler, or maybe look at, at uh, older varieties. What can you tell us about ancestral varieties and your pursuit of them uh, uh, that maybe was triggered by climate change? Mm. Well, um, we, we started actually to, yeah, to find uh, ancestral Catalan varieties uh, around 30 years ago. But I have to say that when, when we started, it was more kind of a philanthropic uh, project. We just wanted to have a collection, and, and, and we knew that in the past, in Catalonia, there used to be a lot of different grape varieties, many, many more than the ones that we uh, know today. No? 
So yeah. to, to find them, we start putting uh, ads in the local newspapers, and we were telling to the to the vine growers or farmers that if they would find any vine that they didn't know, maybe you know close to their vineyards or in the forest or you know close to a creek, they could call us, and then we would check the DNA of of these vines. And uh, it has been an amazing project, Anthony, because you know uh, we've received hundreds of calls. <laughs> and after all this time, we have recovered more than 65 ancient Catalan varieties that are wow. very unique, you know. Uh, you know, Catalonia, of course, uh, uh, from a historic point of place, was a meeting place for, uh, you know, the uh, the Romans, the Greeks, uh, the, you know, all, all these civilizations that they have gone through the Mediterranean, right? So. Uh, there was here was the time and the place where really uh, the vines uh, they really developed a lot. There were a lot of mutations, new 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 vines came, cross pollinization. So it was fantastic. So uh, when when we realized about the climate change, we look back at this collection that we created and we realized that some of these vines uh, were producing grapes that they were getting ripe very late and they still had a fantastic acidity. And this is what we need to, to, to make better wines, even with warmer climate, right? We, mm-hmm. we need better acidity and we need, we need very late ripening. So uh, we took them out from the collection and we are actually planting them. This is, these are the main varieties that we are planting today in the, in the, in the Penedes, but also in Conca de Barbera, uh, in other appellations around. And I can tell you, uh, some some of them are fantastic. You know, uh, in the Mediterranean climate, we can have even a better acidity than uh, wine in the Atlantic coast. No, it's yeah. something that is almost unbelievable. But uh, yeah, but it comes from the past, and sometimes you have to look at the future, also uh, looking at the past. No? Yeah, for sure. Uh, interesting because I talked to some Italians who were who were working on this up in uh, northern Italy, the Legator family, and I, I remember that Alawas Legator said to me, he said, well, okay, he said, I have recovered these vines and they work, he said, but it's going to be my kids that are going to have to sell it because it's a different story uh, and a different variety. So it was interesting. He he was happy with the wines, but, you know, everybody wants Pinot Gris up there, and now he's he's trying to sell an ancestral variety. So will it will it be easy to sell these grapes? Uh, are you finding that there's a lot of interest in them? Well, I can tell you that there's a lot of interest. Actually, you know, we... Uh, even that we are planting vineyards, you know, uh, the demand is very, very high because uh, we, we, are, we see that people love these wines, and uh, and well, we are we are sharing these uh, vines also with other vine growers so that they they can plant because we we always feel these these are not only our vineyards; these are the vineyards of our great great grand grandparents, no? And yeah. if they can help to make better wines in the future, uh, well, let's let's all go for yeah, it. Yeah, let's do it. Sure. Our guest is Miguel Torres. He's a fifth-generation uh, uh, family member and, of course, the GM of Familia Torres. Uh, uh, it's one thing to uh, to evolve and change what you're doing. It's another to stay in business. Uh, you've done a lot of new things in the last 20 years, especially with wines. I think many people, many Canadians maybe met you when you were in the Penedes region making just a handful of wines Tell us a little bit about your expansion now and some of these new wines. I mean, I'm looking at a wine here called uh, uh, Perpetual, uh, Cota Perpetual from Priorat. What, 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 what are, where are you going to make wine today at, uh, at Torres? 
Well, we, we are in uh, different appellations in Spain, no? but uh, the, the one that you're talking about is from the Priorat, which is also in Catalonia. It's actually only uh, an hour far away from, from where I live, so it's very close. And this is, uh, I can say, this is a magical region. You know, this is a, a place where when you go there, you get su- surprised how we can grow vineyards there because it's all, you know, uh, very uh, steep uh, slopes with a lot of slate soil. Uh, yeah. Vines grow, you know, like very, very slowly there. It's very hard for them. But uh, grapes that they produce are fantastic, especially the Garnachas and Carinenas. And, and Perpetual is actually a wine made uh, around 95% with Carignena. Huh? That is uh, mm. always with uh, very old vines. Here we all, only took vineyards that were planted before uh, 1945. Huh? So wow. uh, very old vines. Yeah, very old. Speaking of old, uh, I've been enjoying that the latest vintage of Masla Plana now is available in British Columbia. The 2015 is it's just a sensational wine. It's a Cabernet Sauvignon, which many people wouldn't even associate uh, right off the top with Spain. Uh, tell us a little bit about this famous label and, and this great vintage. Well, uh, Maza Plana, you know, Mas means a farmhouse and Plana, like the flat place. And this is a vineyard where most of us will live in different farm, farmhouses, my, my parents, uh, me, my sister. So it's, it's a very special place for us, like the heart of the family. And, and this wine was uh, first made in 1970, and uh, my father wanted to experiment with Cabernet Sauvignon here in Spain. On those times, it was something almost uh, forbidden, you know, because we are always very rooted with our autochthonous varieties. We are, we are still, but my father wanted to, to, to do a different wine and to maybe, you know, see if, if they were as good as, as, a, as a Cabernet from other places around the world, no? You yeah. have to picture that this is the time when the Cabernet was going outside of, of France and he was showing some, some great wines. And, uh, and well, the, the first vintage was 1970. It was an experimental wine. And it became famous because uh, it was shown in the Wine Olympics in Paris in the year 1979. And uh, it, was a, it was a great scandal because the Cabernet Sauvignon from Spain got the first position in a blind tasting with the top sommeliers uh, from France, wow. from Paris, you know? Yeah. And, and since that day, it's, uh, it's a very special one for, for us because it shows us that we have a great uh, terroir and we really work hard, you know, uh, we can produce, uh, well, we, we, we would like always to produce some of the best wines possible. You know? mm. Uh, well, Miguel, it's been fantastic to catch up with you today just to talk about I, I know that we talked about many different things, but uh, we haven't seen you in such a long time. It was great for the catch-up. Uh, it's 2022. Uh, what can you tell us right now about what's going on in the vineyards? Uh, I, I, I imagine that uh, it's get, everything's underway almost. You know, yeah, now everything is, uh, is, uh, is quite, uh, you know, uh, sleeping, you know, the vineyards are, uh, they don't have any leaves. So, uh, but it's a great time because, uh, you know, it's a time for pruning and it's, uh, it's a fantastic time when you can be alone in the vineyards and you can have like a, like a very personal energy with the vineyards, no? But, yeah. uh, but in a few months, uh, yeah, uh, spring is going to come and then it changes all the colors. It becomes very electric green and, uh, and the whole cycle starts again. And, uh, it's a, it's a beautiful thing that uh, happens and that uh, we as a family, we really love. 
Yeah. Miguel, uh, I can't thank you enough for giving us this time today. I know you're late up, uh, you're up late at night, but it was just a pleasure to talk to you and to have just a glimpse into uh, what's going on at Miguel Torres. For uh, anybody listening, just uh, head over to the Torres website and you can read uh, all kinds of information about climate change and how uh, the Torres family is fighting it both uh, around Spain and globally. Uh, with many other wineries. And as as Miguel said today, Canadian wineries, you're welcome to join, so check it all out. I'd love to see some uh, Canadian wineries on that list. Miguel, thanks so much, and we'll uh, see you the next time you're in Vancouver, and I hope it's this year. Yeah, um, I'm coming for sure, and uh, thank you very much for the invitation. And if uh, anybody from Canada is thinking about coming to Spain or to Barcelona, uh, just uh, remember that uh, they have a good friend here, Miguel, and uh, they can call us and they can visit the winery and drink some wine here. Absolutely. Fantastic. Thanks so much. Our guest from Spain was Miguel Torres. He's the fifth generation in GM of Familia Torres. Up next, we travel to Moonwater Lodge on Vancouver Island to catch up on the latest from the Cowichan Valley. This is BC Food and Wine Radio, and I'm Anthony Gismondi. There's more to come. This is BC Food and Wine Radio with Anthony Gismondi. This winter, the Inn at Therapy Vineyards invites you to get away for a luxurious retreat experience. Modern rooms overlooking the vineyards and Lake Okanagan set the tone for a relaxing stay on the Naramata bench. Sip award-winning Therapy Vineyard wines on your patio, soak in the hot tub, and enjoy a guided tasting experience in the wine shop. Book your room online today or order Therapy Wines delivered to your door at therapyvineyards.com because everyone needs a little therapy. Smoking Loon believes that good wine doesn't need to take itself so seriously. This simple premise has guided them for over two decades to produce wines crafted for those with an appetite for adventure, like their Smoking Loon Syrah. So whether you're relaxing dockside or simply enjoying a well-deserved evening at home, bring along a taste of cottage country. Uncork and discover a rare bird at a BC liquor store near you. Or visit SmokingLoon.com. Invest in one of the fastest growing real estate markets in Canada. Green Square Vert is a modern collection of condos and townhomes in the heart of Kelowna's vibrant lower mission. Offering thoughtfully designed one to four bedroom units starting as low as 399000 Located just steps from Kelowna's best shopping, beaches, schools, and more. Rent your unit worry-free with access to top property management firms. For more info on Green Square Vert, visit greensquare.ca. This is the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. Now, here's Anthony. Hello, British Columbia. We're back uh, with a special shout-out to all of our uh, stations today, all 20 stations across British Columbia. Welcome to the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. Our next guest uh, is uh, well known to some of our regular listeners, Lori Strandlin. She's the co-owner of Moon Water Lodge in the Malahat Chalet, uh, one of the most picture-perfect places you want to stay in BC. Lori, how are you today? I'm doing great. How are you guys? 
Uh, we're fine. Uh, we're excited about heading up to the Cowichan, and uh, I thought before we got up there, we'd have a quick chat with you about what uh, people could do besides wine. We've got wine covered, but uh, let's start yeah. with the Moonwater Lodge because you're in an interesting spot. Uh, I would say you're halfway between between Nanaimo and uh, Swartz Bay, or how, how would you say? Uh, how would you locate yourself? Yeah, you know we're. Um perfectly in between actually Duncan and Schwartz Bay. Um, okay. And uh, it's about a half hour north of Victoria, half hour south of Duncan, an hour from Nanaimo. So a great remote location, but close to everything. Yeah, and right on the Malahat, I mean, just before the, the top of the Malahat, you just uh, pull over and you, you, you hang off the edge of the cliff there over the Saanich Inlet. It's one of the most spectacular views uh, people can have. And uh, it's a great little place. How would you describe Moonwater Lodge to someone who, who's never been there? You know, I think it's a little bit of undiscovered paradise on Vancouver Island uh, uh-huh. when you arrive people are just amazed at what is right out front their 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 window here so it's a it's a peaceful quiet tranquil location nestled in the forest overlooking the ocean and yet so close to everything yeah uh well i've loved my stays there uh you have uh, suites there's kitchens in them you're pet friendly mm-hmm. Uh, and yep. you can walk over to the uh, to the restaurant. It's about a a, a ten second walk from the front door, as well <laughs> yep. in the patio, the spectacular patio. But I I wondered about some of the attractions. Now there's lots going on there. What what yeah. can people do uh, in in the region besides going to wineries? Well, there is a lot to do, like you say, and and I've got to say one of our biggest uh, new attractions is the Malahat Skywalk. And we have a perfectly clear view from the restaurant and the hotel. So it's really close. Um, Lots of nature trails in the area, beaches. Um, Another thing that's becoming uh, talk around town is this uh, Pacific Marine Trail. Uh, It's a nice, casual drive. It's a circle with stops along the way of interest. Um, Takes about three three hours and takes you from one side of the island to the other and there again we're right on that trail so we're a great start or finish or part way point wow uh and there's mm-hmm. also the the the, the kinsel trestle too it's uh, one of the tallest in the world but to, can people walk and cycle that or it's spectacular it is wheelchair accessible and i should mention the skywalk is also wheelchair accessible mm-hmm. uh, kinsel trestle is just beyond shawnigan lake Another great stop in the summer when the when the lake is warm. Um, it's a fully restored train trestle, uh, beautiful walk, easy level ground, uh, and, yeah. and it's just a, a memory to take with you for sure. Our guest is Laurie Strandland. She's a coner, Moonwater Lodge uh, on the Malahat in uh, on the edge of the Cowichan Valley. Uh, how would you, uh, you've been more or less open during COVID. You've had some uh, changes. Uh, you, you talk about a couple of positive developments at the property. What what are they? Uh, what can you tell our listeners about that? Yeah, you know, there's, there's enough negativity about COVID out there, but we're choosing to look at all the positives. And mm. two of those things are that we have always had an idea for a pizza service, and we now have that brand new pizza to go or eat on site. And we are allowed now to offer sales of liquor for take-home consumption. Right. 
and so those are two really big um, new new endeavors in the restaurant that are people are very very happy about. Yeah, great for campers too. Uh, I, I guess who are looking for a pizza and a, and a bottle of wine or something. Uh, okay, Absolutely. so. Uh, Tell us a little bit about how you're open, how people can get a reservation. What are the hours? How does that work? Sure. Well, you know, the first thing I will say is in any restaurant or tourism industry right now, a phone call is always a good idea. We are still doing a little bit of staff shuffling, but we are currently seven days a week. Um, eight, uh, 9 a.m. to 8 p.m. And weekends, we have a couple of buffet options, which is really unique to our location as well. People are loving that. We're okay. all over the Internet, and we are on open table. Yeah. Moonwaterlodge.com. Check it out, folks. Just look at the photos, and uh, I can tell you it's a, it's a really fun place to stay and so much to do. And we didn't even mention all the wineries in the region, of course. We know them well. <laughs> Laurie, thanks so much for joining us today. Uh, we can't wait to see you on our next trip up to the Cowichan. Really looking forward to it. Thanks, everyone. Have a great day. Thank you. Uh, that was Laurie Strandland. She's the co-owner of Moonwater Lodge on the Malahat in the Cowichan Valley. And that's it for this week's show, folks. Special thanks to our technical producer here in Vancouver, Darren Reagan. For all of us at the show, I'm Anthony Gismondi, wishing you a relaxing weekend. And we'll be back next week across the BC Food & Wine Radio Network. That's it for today's show. This is BC Food and Wine Radio with Anthony Gismondi.